We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Fantasy Football Report, Rotoviz Radio News Show. I'm Blair Andrews on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair. My co-host is Hassan Rahim on Twitter at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going? Uh, you know, it's going well. A little bittersweet here. It's, uh, I believe, the final. Um, like, I guess it's our last week. Yeah, that's right. Going into week 16. So uh, going on a short little uh, break after this. But... Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about uh, to prepare for championship week and uh, hopefully prepare a little bit for dynasty and redraft next season. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, um, it's it's a bit of a bummer because it means like you know the coming to the end of the year, coming to the end of the NFL season. But at the same time, it's exciting because like the off season is always a fun time. Yeah, definitely one of my favorite times of year, to be honest. Um, we don't have a guest again this week. Uh, we're kind of uh, <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel now at the end of the season, but that's all right. Uh, we get to get in depth on a lot of these items. So, uh, yeah, let's get right into it. Miles Sanders rushed 19 times for 122 yards and a touchdown. He also caught six passes for 50 yards and a second touchdown in the Eagles' Week 15 win over Washington. So this was the first time Sanders has gone over 100 yards rushing this season, and he actually set the Eagles' rookie record for the most scrimmage yards. What are your expectations for Sanders' dynasty value, and uh, where do you expect him to go in next year's best ball leagues? Man, that's actually a, a pretty solid question. It's 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 tough to say exactly what his dynasty value here is. I, I do know that like there's a lot of like very talented running back prospects entering the league this this year. I do not think Philadelphia will be one of the ones that um, draft a running back, but uh, you know, so it shouldn't really necessarily hinder his his dynasty value all that much. Um, I, I guess my, my my question to you is like uh, his dynasty value kind of all hinges on like the concept of like the Eagles being a a, a pretty good 
offense, right? Like um, we haven't really seen them um, reach the same high as it did back in 2016 pre-Carson Wentz. No, was it 2016? I can't remember now, but like it was before Carson Wentz tore his ACL. And I think some of that just has to do with the fact that they're lacking talented wide receivers or just a, frankly just a talented offense, uh, you know, outside of Ertz. Uh, I am not a real like I, I'm I'm sure Goddard is fine. I think he's overrated um, and overvalued. But, uh, but this is a question about Miles Sanders. For, for what it's worth, I do think his redraft and dynasty ADP will have him. I cautiously peg it in the you know late second, early third. I'd probably peg him as opening in dynasty as an RB eleven or twelve. And I think in best ball leagues, he'll probably start off at the three four turn maybe late fourth and then he'll like slowly climb his way up the the charts here um what are your thoughts yeah that sounds um i guess that sounds about right it sounds i mean a little bit rich maybe just kind of uh you know instinctively thinking about where i'd want to where i'd want to draft him in best ball leagues next year but yeah i mean i think you're right that there are concerns about philadelphia's offense definitely they don't have a lot of weapons outside of Ertz, really, and uh, I guess Sanders now. So it'll kind of be interesting to see what kind of steps this offense can take if you know our Sega Whiteside can kind of come on in his second year. Uh, That's if- going to be interesting to see. He fumbled today. He also had only two targets before he was just completely phased out of the game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like this has been just a disaster for rookie season for a guy who really should have like like stepped up. Sure, yeah, it definitely hasn't been the sort of rookie season that I think any one of us were hoping for or expecting. But, uh, you know, I'm still hopeful for his outlook. And, um, yeah, they're a team that I think could benefit a lot from, uh, you know, drafting a wide receiver fairly early again, given uh, the injury issues with Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson and also how how old they're getting and just how thin they've been the last uh, couple weeks at wide receiver. So I would I would not be at all surprised to see them go, you know, take another wide receiver in the second round or something. Yeah, I, I, I believe, and I'm going to double check this, but I do believe that the Eagles actually, yeah, they restructured Alshon's, Jeffrey's contract and they guaranteed his 2020 salary. He's going nowhere. Hmm. Like, I just think that like, they whiffed on 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 well i, I don't I mean, it's a little early to call it a whiff who knows what's going on with jj Arcega white said but like at this point are you holding him or selling him what are you what are you doing with him um definitely holding and i mean you know <laughs> at the right price i'm buying uh i don't think he's a sell just yet i think his his prospect profile was intriguing enough that i'm willing to give him one more season right after this rookie year i mean one thing that kind of gives him a pass is that even though he hasn't been great, he also hasn't gotten a lot of opportunity. So it's not like he's been on the field and just underperforming. He actually hasn't hasn't been able to get on the field, which isn't necessarily a good thing, but it at least uh, you know means that we maybe haven't seen him completely bust yet. If that makes sense. So I know it makes sense. So yeah, so I'm I'm still. Uh, I'm still a fan, still holding and even buying at, you know, I mean, you know, his dynasty value, we're talking about dynasty value. I mean, if you did a startup uh, next year, where do you expect him to go? JJ? 
Yeah. Oh man, really late. Like, I, it depends on how how deep the league is and like how many rounds it is. And so, like, I really think that he could be had for very cheap. Yeah. So I, would I, it be I, that? Like, would it be that strange for him to be, you know, twenty twenties DJ Chark, you know, second round pick with really good athleticism and production, who just had an awful rookie year? No, but I mean, like, it's it's uh. He's definitely a guy you want, if only because of, the, of like you know the second year thing. But uh, but yeah, like I think his like, his value will be fairly depressed. I think I think the big deal will be like during the draft, right? If the Eagles draft like two or three guys, and then then it's pretty much over. You might as well just like it's fine like taking a, a chance on him. But you're just mm-hmm. um, really hoping for a lot at that point. I, I don't know. Um, it's it's definitely been disappointing because uh, for as good as like. I mean, everybody else who was drafted, I mean, around him or ahead of him or even after him, like, have just smashed. Yeah. Like, it's um, definitely a bit of a bummer, I guess, in that, in that regard. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we can stick with the Penn State running backs. Uh, Saquon Barkley rushed 24 times for 112 yards and two touchdowns in the Giants' Week 15 win over the Dolphins. Uh, Saquon uh, has not been effective this season. Today was his first 100-yard game since uh, his Week 3 ankle injury. But it's nice to see him uh, capitalize on this poor matchup. Uh, you know, do you think Saquon's dynasty and redraft value has taken anything of a hit here? Um, I mean, probably a little bit in the sense that he won't be the number one overall pick he'll probably be number two so <laughs> i guess that's a little bit of a hit but uh i mean i think he's still a top two pick in both formats i think uh um yeah you mentioned his ankle injury which uh, i mean he came back earlier than anyone expected to from that so i mean it makes sense that he's been struggling probably not 100 percent healthy um so there's a way to explain away his poor performance in that sense, and I think uh, it's a pretty easy out. So people will still be still be drafting him highly uh, next year. Now, yeah, one thing that's interesting is that um, he sort of has had all of his good games. I think I might be wrong, but I think he's had all of his good games with Eli Manning under center instead of Daniel Jones. Do you think that? Uh, I don't know, there's something to the connection with Manning or maybe Jones isn't uh, isn't looking his way as much on checkdowns or something. Um, should we be at all concerned if, if Daniel Jones is the Giants quarterback of the future and Barkley is playing better with Manning? I mean, it's a little early to tell because like he was still dealing with like the, you know, the after effects of the high ankle sprain. So it's difficult to, to, to sit down and actually say that. I mean, like by that same token, like, like Sterling Shepard, kind of smashed again with Manning today, whereas Darius Slayton took a backseat. That was, I thought, was more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just sort of, I mean, he still got the TD, but like, you know, you know, on Island Games, people love to say, like, this guy is just the guy, and like his ADP jumps up like six rounds or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, it's, <laughs> it, you know, it, it's interesting because he kind of was like splitting targets with Caden Smith, who, you know, again, neither of us expect to really be an anchor here. So Shepard and Tate clearly are running well ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Saquon himself goes, it'll be interesting to see if Daniel Jones will be the guy under center next year. Like, cause that, I mean, again, it, it kind of tells. Uh, will be interesting to follow that that development. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like as far as Saquon goes, I do think that like his dynasty value should be high. 
I can't in any good conscience suggest people go and try and buy him if only because, um, you know, what the Saquon owner will want in exchange is just not worth giving up those type of assets. Uh, even this, despite him being, you know, just this um, elite of a player. Uh, the better question is, I think, I actually think you might be kind of wrong in like the redraft sense. I think he's going to go fairly, like, I think he's going to go, uh, I want to say late first, but that's me not giving like the player pool enough credit. I would say he might go in like the five to seven range and that's where I'll be like pretty much all in on. Interesting. So, I mean, I assume you're thinking Dalvin Cook goes ahead of him, Fournette maybe, um, Zeke, who else do you have there? I would absolutely not take Leonard Fournette ahead of him. Okay. Um, but I, mean- that, like, I would leave that to other people. If they want to make that mistake, they, they can. Um, I would probably have, let's see here. I would probably have CMC, Dalvin, Zeke as the three, four sure guys ahead of him. And then, yeah, it gets kind of tricky. Camara, I think. Right, Camara. It gets, it gets, it. I mean, yeah, he's, uh, he's out of not sight, had out a great mind, season right? either. So no, he's been very poor. Right. So I, you know, whatever. If you're knocking Saquon down, it seems like you would knock Camara down too. I mean, I can definitely see a case to be made for having Cook number two and having him ahead of Barkley or Camara. But beyond Cook, I would um, say Zeke might go number two actually. Yeah, possibly. I mean, um, so the. The case for Fournette is that he hasn't been efficient, right? He hasn't been scoring touchdowns, but he's been getting uh, just huge opportunity even in the passing game. So he's sort of taken on a profile we haven't seen before where if he was just even playing up to expectations, he would be probably uh, RB2 overall, better than Cook. But um, I don't know if people are going to be, right? They're probably going to be chasing fantasy points more than expected points so um but yeah i can see cook ahead of barkley but after that i don't know i mean zeke also hasn't quite been himself this year uh he saw a drop off in terms of targets with uh pollard getting some so yeah i don't know i think there are risks for pretty much everyone outside of cmc so yeah that's why i'd still probably be be expecting barkley to be a top three pick I'd even probably have him ahead of Cook. Yeah, I would actually probably also have him ahead of Cook. Um, but that's, again, like, I just, I don't know. It's, it's definitely interesting uh, or at least fun to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a question for you, and I know that we're going off the script here, but mm-hmm. um, Melvin Gordon, if he does get re-signed with the Chargers, do you think he's still a first-round pick or do you think he's, like, going to go down? Um, I think he would not. Uh, that's tough. Yeah, I don't think he'd be a first-round pick just because of you know how big a role Eckler has taken on I think that you know people people realize he's legit good and you know Melvin Gordon is almost the almost the Latavius Murray in this backfield to Eckler's Camara so it's he's a little bit scary from that perspective so I think he probably won't make it into the first round they split the work down to seam today 50 50 like rushing yeah. and receiving yeah, yeah. Yeah, he definitely gets more receiving work than than Murray does, but I think just the fact that Eckler is there getting as much work as he is and it's literally a 50-50 split, you know, you have to take that into consideration. I mean, I know we've discussed this a little bit uh 
in past weeks, but I'd honestly be pretty surprised if Gordon were with the Chargers next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that would be one to like watch, right? Because if he does mm-hmm. end up on like a, on like a running back needy team, yeah, then then you're then you're uh, I, I don't know uh, looking at what wheels up for for Melgo. I don't know. Yeah, it depends on the landing spot, but <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think Melgo, especially after this season, when you see what Kamara can do, Melgo is going to be undervalued if he has if he has a role next year, probably. Oh, you mean Eckler, right, Camara? No, I mean I mean Melgo. Did I say? Uh, no, you said Camara. So I was a little confused there because you because you mentioned Camara. <laughs> no, I'm confused now too. I ah, mean, even with how good Eckler has been, or because of how good Eckler has been, I think that if Melvin Gordon does go somewhere where he's expected to have a role, uh, he has. I think a good chance to outperform his, his, uh, you know, projected opportunity. I mean, okay, here's what I'm saying. I think Melvin Gordon is good. Yeah. that, <laughs> Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty simple way. No, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I do think both of these guys are pretty good. I just, it's just crazy watching the Chargers as offense, just underwhelmed, like, like again and again and again. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like it's, it's like, it like, I, imagine being like a chargers fan and just not being like tilted beyond like belief Mm, yeah okay here's a question suppose um melvin gordon does move on to another team would you have eckler inside your top three Ooh, that's a good question and the answer to that is probably no yeah i might i I might i might think cmc barkley eckler or something I, I can see nah I can see I can see the coaches just like <laughs> I dude I can see it right now like I I can just see the coaches um opting to utilize uh what's his name um Justin Jackson more yeah and I can see it be more of a 50-50 split I I just I just we've already seen Eckler like yeah. as the workhorse back and he's not exactly 100% efficient like you just have to go back to what they did earlier like like you know, you know we all know right running the football is like inefficient, but like mm-hmm. it's very it's very stupid to ignore the fact that teams want to run the football. So I think like, the ideal situation would be uh, for Gordon to move on, and then the Chargers either sign a free agent or draft someone who's just you know like a big grinder and uh, have him take some short yardage carries, him handle most of the rushing work, and then you have Eckler really in a Camara role where Gordon is not, you know, or the other back in this timeshare is not getting seven targets at the same time. Uh, then you would have, I would, you know, then you have a top three back. Yeah, well, I mean, some of it also relies on them just not utilizing Mike Williams. Like, he got right. nine targets today. He did really well on his volume. I mean, this is a guy who is just ridiculous big play threat. I mean, realistically, and I'm going to try to do this this offseason, is probably try and, like, um, move Hunter Henry, who might be the overvalued guy in Dynasty Leagues. I think that he's the guy who I'm going to try and move for potentially a DJ Moore and TE premium. Like, I think that that's something that I could get away with mm. if if the owner that I'm dealing with is unsavvy. <laughs> or I'll just hold like like I think I am going to want that kind of a return if I am moving Hunter Henry in a TE premium format but like interesting I don't see you getting that but good luck yeah I know but like <laughs> um 
how many like tight ends are really worth out there like really right. putting um that kind of like value in on um in these uh, in, in te premium dynasty leagues like like there's a lot of just tight ends that people just do not like mm-hmm. yeah for sure all right now let's get into no shit shit no first item chris conley absorbed four catches for 49 yards and two touchdowns on eight targets sunday in the jaguars week 15 win over the raiders uh probably gonna be a shit no for me um chris conley was a good play uh he did pretty well i mean like what else were you gonna expect with dj chark out of the lineup and the fact that the oakland raiders pass defense is pretty poor but uh i'd be very surprised to see if this uh well if he's able to maintain this kind of production once once shark gets back into the lineup i will ask so we're just gonna just pretend people didn't doubt Didi westbrook right like we're just done with that like like we're we're, we're fully done with with Didi westbrook right because like keelan cole i targeted him today yeah yeah um i don't know i mean you know one game hard to know what to think but um i don't know i still think westbrook is probably better than conley even though it was conley who did the most damage today so i'm not i'm not totally off westbrook just because of just because of one game i guess but definitely a weird weird sort of outcome yeah no but i guess what i mean is is that like is it fair to state that um that westbrook is just never going to be the guy who we thought he would be and so you know like we gotta we gotta really retemper what our priors on Westbrook are. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, he definitely was. I mean, you know, all off season he was the guy, but yeah, then Shark comes on, and then when Shark gets injured, then Conley and Keelan Cole step up. So yeah, Keelan Cole, by the way, left for dead. Right. So right. that's that should probably tell us something that we you know about Didi Westbrook that we we need to take that into account. Like 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 we were done with with uh with keelan cole right he lost his job around this time last year he was benched like a healthy scratch yeah and now he's back this time you know yeah i don't know tough uh tough situation to figure out yeah i mean it's 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 interesting and like i don't know it's 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 just one of those situations where where i feel like i don't know understanding how this is going to play out would be very important for next year's best ball and potentially uh i guess it depends on your dynasty league format but that too mike boone rushed 13 times for 56 yards and two touchdowns the vikings is 39 10 a week 15 win over the chargers yeah mike boone is like a uh devin mcintyre special as i recall um someone who's been hanging around the vikings for a while and and now um yeah finally got a chance to kind of show what he can do i mean this does sort of cast a little doubt on um or kind of makes you want to rethink what dalvin cook's been able to do in this offense all year how efficient he's been and uh how good he's looked um you know you you almost think that maybe it's more of a team effect um yeah i don't know what do you think of that as a you know a noted dalvin cook uh truther not really truther but uh booster (laughs) um that's actually uh, honestly it just shows that the madison pick was a wasted draft pick for the for the (laughs) for the for the vikings like like they spent a third rounder on him and he just was not only was he just 
completely he was completely unnecessary to the team. Like he was an, like a healthy scratch, and they were totally fine with Amir and um, and and Mike Boone today. Like like realistically, like people can fawn over it. I, like I really think they were like forcing like Madison. Like like Madison's a fine player. Don't get me wrong. He's just not like. Like, who who cares, man? Like they were able to get this production from two other running backs on the roster. So like, I guess my bigger question is like, what what's wrong with this? Um, uh, like what's up with these like Vikings coaches? Like not they do not understand their own talent. Like again, like like this is not. I'm trying to trying to think about this. So this is not like me disparaging uh like the. Alexander Madison's like talent profile, but it is me disparaging the fact that the Vikings is like coaching staff doesn't seem to understand what it has in the players that it currently has. Like they like they wasted like an early third pick like on or well, not an early well it wasn't an early third but they wasted a pick on 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 Madison here and like Boone has been pretty serviceable like you said he's he's like a like a Devin McIntyre special and the lack of draft capital I think is what really kept him down from mm-hmm. actually being being a thing and that's. I don't know, for lack of a better word, like that's kind of frustrating. I, I think for me, uh, if only because we like the Vikings had it right the first time when they drafted Boone. Like they 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 seem to have a good eye for like wanting to get these explosive RBs. Like remember when they signed Amir? Like I think part of it has to be with the fact that Amir was considered to be this like explosive RB once upon a lifetime ago. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so like you know like this has just been kind of just a thing that was going to happen i i'm kind of feel sad for like dalvin because like his his inability to to be healthy is a massive bummer i think um i think he is uh you know so i'm hopeful that he gets uh, healthy again and i really hope that uh you know he gets paid because i, I really think some team's going to use this as a way against him to get paid and that's a you know kind of upsetting at least to think about yeah yeah Devontae Parker caught four of seven targets for 72 yards and two touchdowns in the Dolphins' Week 15 loss to the Giants. Uh, no shit. Uh, man, we were talking about this a little bit before the show, but, like, it's good to get our thoughts here. Like, what do we do with Devontae Parker this end of that extension? Like, like, what do we do here? Like, do we have to throw out everything we know about him? Like, like what's going on? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, he's someone um, for whom we have a long history of of underperformance and i mean that's to put it really nicely but uh so yeah someone coming into the season with uh not much hope very strong prior that seems to be getting overturned at the moment i mean you made a good point before uh we started recording that he really only started doing this after preston williams got hurt and in the early part of the season it was really Preston Williams show uh, kind of coming on out of nowhere. So when Williams is healthy, I'm sure I'll have more interest in Preston Williams than in Parker um, just because, well, I mean, Williams is younger going into his second year. He was um, really good as a rookie. Parker is now, is this his fifth year, fifth year breakout? Um, I believe this is his fifth year. Yeah. So, yeah, there's just not. I mean, the history of fifth year breakouts is pretty, pretty bad. They don't. You usually tend to uh, repeat performance for. Uh, they don't repeat their performance very often or for very long if they do. So, um, I'm not. I'm not totally sold on Parker yet as sort of a long term option. I think 
I'm much more interested in Preston Williams. Um, that about how you're thinking about this I'm situation? Really, I really wouldn't say I'm much more interested in Preston Williams. I am interested in in seeing. I guess this is also a bit of a wait and see, right? Like, like we're gonna have to see what Miami does in the draft. They also pick up a, another wide receiver. Preston Williams is definitely an interesting player. Like, there's a lot going on here that we need to to, to approach with some some modicum of. Uh, of care, I guess, uh, for lack, uh, again, for lack of a better word, like, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's also a bit of a bummer because I guess Mike, like, like, do we, are we starting to write off Mike Gusecki here? Like, uh, he's, you know, still seeing a lot of targets. So I, I don't know. I mean, some of it just comes with that. Like, those are the questions that we're going to have to ask ourselves. Like, it's, you know, like who are, who are going to be viable, credible threats, uh, you know, in this, like, aerial offense i do think barker is for real okay so then let's let's split the split the question a little bit right where do you think his adp opens up in best ball when where do you think it opens up in dynasty and where would you be buying him uh that's a good question um man uh i would maybe think he's i don't that's a tricky one right yeah i don't think parker even with the season he's having, I'd be surprised if in best ball leagues he got into like the first six rounds, I think. I think that would surprise me, to be honest. So, I don't know, maybe seven to eight, something like that. Um, I mean, I don't think I would be buying him at all in in redraft leagues. And I don't think I'd be buying him at all in Dynasty either. <laughs> I mean, you know, at a certain point, maybe there's a price that would make sense like if he is hanging around there in the in the 12th or 13th round of of a best ball draft then uh i would think that you know given the value that uh he's shown he can provide at that cost then definitely that makes a lot of sense but i don't expect him to go that late and i think that where he does end up is probably more than i would be willing to pay Brichard Perriman caught five of six targets for 113 yards and three touchdowns in Tampa Bay's Week 15 win over the Lions. Yeah, this is another another weird one. I guess Perriman is not, he's probably not breaking out this season, but he'd be another kind of fifth-year guy who took five years to uh, to really come into the league, although he missed his entire rookie season. But, um, I mean, I'm not buying this performance. You know, Godwin got hurt halfway through the game. Uh, still unclear what his status is going to be for the rest of the season. I think Scotty Miller also had a decent game, caught a touchdown. Um, you know, long term, I'm much more interested in Miller than I am in Perriman. Uh, so yeah, I would not be chasing this performance. But yeah, am I missing something on Perriman? Is there something I should uh, be taking <laughs> be taking more into account? He was a first round pick after all, but it's just so hard to believe in these guys who who, you know, are terrible for four seasons or, you know, three yeah. seasons. And he was also, he also like wasn't picked up on his rookie contract and just, mm-hmm. I don't know, man, like there's just a lot going against the Barryman profile for me as well. But like, hey, congrats to him, I guess, like three TDs, that's huge. Uh, I saw, I noticed that you glossed over Justin Watson. Are we, are we out on him? What's the story? No, we're definitely not out on him. He just, uh, you know, I saw on Twitter somebody, I guess maybe it was Evan Silva, I can't remember, but somebody made a point about how um, Justin Watson wasn't drafted by the current 
staff and Miller was. So as long as Miller is healthy, probably he is the the priority. But, you know, Watson is definitely interesting. I definitely prefer him over Perriman. But it looks like he's not not uh, really in line for many opportunities just yet. So we'll see. Tyler Lockett submitted eight grabs for 120 yards and a touchdown on nine targets Sunday in the Seahawks Week 15 victory over Carolina. Uh, uh, I guess this is no shade if only because it's a return to form, right? Like for a while he had that death and everyone was like associating it with, uh, oh, could potentially still be with his injury. Like we don't know what's up with uh, with Tyler Lockett. I guess this is a pretty nice reminder. Like, you know, pretty pretty good way to, to, to quiet everyone out here. Um, again, Tyler Lockett's like, uh, success has come at the expense of... Um, uh, that of DK Metcalf is such a low flow offense, man. It really like it sickens me that they just this like unfun. I don't know. Like <laughs> yeah. and then and then guys like Malik Turner get like a handful of like targets and it's just gross, gross, gross. Um, so mean, it's Seattle. You knew what you were getting into. Yeah. So like so here's a so here's a question. I guess um, would be like so so DK Metcalf mm-hmm. uh, is he like um, like he's you know again like he's kind of waned a little bit like uh especially compared to someone like a um, uh like his teammate aj brown like where do you think dk metcalf goes in dynasty leagues and redraft next year uh so yeah dynasty you'd probably go higher in dynasty i mean he's already scored over 160 points which is basically what dj moore did last season and moore last year was uh you know a fourth round pick in redraft often fourth or fifth and sometimes as high as a third round pick in dynasty so um i would don't i wouldn't be surprised to see metcalf around that range or possibly even higher given given his performance thus far i mean like you said he's kind of cooled off a little bit since uh, sort of hot start, but I still think that what he's been able to do is pretty impressive. Uh, so yeah, um, uh, yeah, I have high hopes, and I think I think a third third round pick in dynasty probably makes some sense. Yeah, that's uh, I mean that's actually kind of a little bit too rich for me personally. I, I think I'd be out at that value just because pff, you can get other actual like very uh productive players over there instead of instead of uh you know a guy trapped on a low flow offense but he is very good I, I i i'm still not sure what to make of the situation here but um i mean i'm i've definitely updated my priors i do believe he is good my like i just don't know how good yeah so after this game today it looks like aj brown just for comparison will have 180 points through 13 games so uh i mean if you're looking at that i mean it's weird because that's that's kind of the same pace that calvin ridley was on uh last season and he still wasn't you know wasn't going any higher than more he was still drafted in the in the fourth round in dynasty leagues fifth round in redraft leagues, stuff like that so um, maybe I'm being a little too aggressive on my valuation for these guys. I definitely would have Brown ahead of Metcalf in my rankings and be looking to take Brown ahead of Metcalf. But I mean, what, what's the highest, what's the most you would pay for Brown in dynasty next year? Would you draft him like at the end of the second round? Uh, that's fairly aggressive, but, um, sure. Why not? 
Love it. I mean, I mean, I mean, some of it is just it's a bit of cause and effect here, right? Like with like Brown versus um, like Tannehill, right? Like we've heard nothing but like people just like gush, gushing over how good Tannehill has been, and like a lot of it just seems to be rolled up on yak from like AJ Brown. Like, <laughs> right. like it's just like it's very difficult for me to 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 really square those square that circle. Like I just don't understand why we're crediting crediting Tannehill with like and not like, I think I think we're not crediting AJ Brown enough. I mean like the guy like in back in like week one for the Titans like against the Browns like he, he had a moment like he went for a hundred yards in his debut game on three catches mm. with Mariota under center like four targets three car like three catches hundred yards. Yeah. Like we knew then he was going to be an absolute stud and people were just too slow to like update their priors. So like now it's like they're trying to credit Tannehill with like the same, same, um, uh, uh, you know, they're trying to, they're, they're trying to say that Tannehill is the reason like AJ Brown is good. No, it's just because like the, the coaching staff finally understood that we're going to have to, to really, you know, we're, we're going to be utilizing, um, AJ Brown more. Like, I think that they yeah. just realized that, that, that it's, uh, uh, Corey Davis, that it's not a chief. Like they just were, were, were done. And um, as far as as far as AJ Brown goes, with 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 yards after catch, he is 16th in the NFL, I believe, in yards after catch. He has created 365, and that's the same as like a Kenyon Drake, a, like slightly behind Landry, ahead of guys like Kelsey, Debo, DJ Moore, Fant, guys like that. So it's just, I, I don't know, man. Like I I think there's a lot of cause and effect, like. Like correlation is not causation. Stuff going on here as far as like AJ Brown is is concerned, and I do think that like he is an absolute stud. I mean, like if you go back to Week One against the Browns, right? There's a moment where you just can just tell that like AJ Brown was going to be a thing in the NFL. Was first off, he makes this like ridiculous play, um, and you know catches the ball in traffic, and then he motions over Demarius Randall and stiff harms him into the earth's crust. <laughs> and that was the moment where you should have known oh yeah no aj brown's gonna be a thing in the league for years to come like to be a rookie in your season debut at like that age to like stay like to have the guts to call over an opposing safety just so you can stiff arm him is ridiculous yeah so actually i mean this is maybe a better comp i mean coming out of college one of our favorite comps that came up for AJ Brown was Juju. Brown is having a very Juju-like rookie season where he's just killing it from an efficiency standpoint. This was actually his first game of the season with double-digit targets. Um, so, you know, when you think about what his sophomore season could be like if he sees an increase in opportunity more along the lines of this game, then, um, you know, Juju sophomore season is definitely in the cards. So I guess the question maybe is what would you pay, you know, for that kind of upside? Oh man, that's, that's, see, that's like the question. And that's where like, so even in best ball, so in best ball, I think he's kind of locked in a little bit as like, actually that's a good question. At least for best ball, like in dynasty, I think like the second, third round valuation, like that the two, three turn, that's pretty well valued, like, va- like validated. Right. Mm-hmm. The question comes, where are you going to be taking him in redraft? Yeah. Because I do think that the Titans might not extend Corey Davis. Like, I, I just can see them going back to the draft. And the question is, who do they draft? What do they draft? That, and that'll bring with it its own narrative street of, like, 
aren't you worried about this or that? And like, then you can get like into the same juju narrative, which a lot of people have probably convinced themselves is true, which is like, oh, you know, maybe juju couldn't do it without uh, AB. And it's like, uh, it takes a very, I don't know, like, very difficult to, to to get on board with that when we know that like Juju suffered through like a couple of injuries and stuff and he seemed to be performing just fine in the games that were solid matchups. Like we can just tell that like Pittsburgh's quarterback play is is incredibly poor. Like Daryl Hodges is five for eleven of forty three yards in an end as we headed to the second half, like is coming to a close with a minute left. Like like who's worse Hodges or or Mason Rudolph and it's like the answer is doesn't matter like who like really stop wasting your time talking about either player so I think that this you know so I think it depends on what the Titans do at quarterback next year but because Mm -hmm. I don't know man like 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 Asia Brown I think the community is very slow to have adjusted their rankings on and they're also pretty slow in my opinion in adjusting the rankings on a guy like Cortland Sutton yeah yeah, for sure. Um, so assuming that Tannehill is the quarterback next year, I mean, if you're looking at kind of these comps, you know, Juju was basically a fourth-round pick in his second season. Ridley was a fourth-round pick. DJ Moore, fourth-round pick. So I'm kind of looking at A.J. Brown in that range. And I think if Tannehill, you know, keeps this up or about this pace for the rest of the season and is still the quarterback in 2020... I don't know. AJ Brown might become my favorite pick in the fourth round. Is that crazy? No. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like that's absolutely not crazy. Like, I do think that like some caution is warranted if you're going to be taking him that high, if only because you could get him for free this year. <laughs> like he was, he was free, man. Like, like I, I, I don't know. I, I'm talking I, about I, in best ball leagues, though. But yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, I was probably ta- want to pay more. Yeah, I was talking about in best ball leagues as well. Like this year, he was free. Oh right. Yeah. Like, Go yeah, go check out like our like our ADP tool. Like I was just, I was just like, hey, free AJ Brown. Like I, I had I known that going a hundred percent, like had had I gone a hundred percent on AJ Brown, like I could probably have had a much better season than I'm currently having, and a lot of my season is 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 pretty strong, if only because of where I was drafting some of these like rookie guys ahead of like wash veterans, mm-hmm. because like there's just no value left. Like um, so. Um, I'm trying to take a look at some of these. So, like, uh, I'm looking at this one uh, BB10 where AJ Brown's like late spurt, like, pretty much brought me up from like eighth to like third, and I'm close to getting second, which would put me get me a free roll. Like, like right now I'm in line for a free roll, but this will get me two <laughs> rolls, which is not bad. <laughs> nice. Just an ex- that that was just an example like of 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 where I was able to just like you know supercharge or turbocharge some of this stuff. Like again. Um, the guys who were looking, at least personally, like for me, and I, we're gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to do some work on this in the off season. Is just sort of how, uh, where these rookie wide receivers, where people have spent capital on, perform not just this year, but also like we can go historically because it'd be interesting to see how they're doing. Yeah, Darren Waller submitted eight catches for 122 yards on 10 targets Sunday in Oakland's Week 15 loss to the Jaguars. Uh, this is gonna be no shit for me. Ah, uh, they really. <laughs> There's no one healthy left to catch the football. So they're going back to Waller. It's really weird they went away from him, but like Foster Moreau kind of came out of nowhere and just started, well, not out of nowhere. He was a, a rookie with some hype behind him. So um, he was the guy taking a lot of fo- like 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 Waller's work. And then um, then you had like Hunter Renfro also went on IR. And, you know, just like it's a fairly barren receiving core. I'm just going to take a look and see who got targets there today. Uh 
Although you know what, you got to really hand it to Oakland. They 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 left uh, Oakland um, on a pretty sour note. Blew the game to the Jaguars in the fourth quarter. <laughs> what a weird, what just what a what a fi- what a send off to your fans. Like I feel so bad for the Raiders fans. Like I I feel really bad that like the Raiders are moving. I, I it's just it's a shame for Oakland. But I, I mean when you when you look down the, the the list here 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 guys who were also getting targets. Um, tell me if you've stopped me if you've heard of any of these guys before. Alec Ingold. <laughs> I who mean, is he? I think he's a fullback, right? I and I recognize the name only because I've been writing the the zero RB watch list and he shows up you know every week with a carry or a target or something. Uh, yeah. I think usually a target, but I don't know. Keelan Doss. Keelan Doss. He sounds familiar. Was he? Was he's he in Hard Knocks? He might have been. Yeah. I didn't watch Hard Knocks. No. <laughs> I can't even uh, remember. And then <laughs> Derek Carrier. Yeah, remember him? Derek Carrier. Did he used to play for Washington? or? Uh... Yeah, and he had that really horrible haircut. And last right. but not least, Zay Jones. Remember him? Zay oh. Jones. No, that doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, this is just like, you know. Everybody else had three targets. Terrell Williams had three. Jalen Richard had three. Darren Waller had ten. Like it's just yeah, just the way Ingold, it goes. Ingold had three. <laughs> <laughs> what is this team, man? Like, like this is just a team that's like bereft of talent. This is going to be a fun team to actually follow yeah. this off season because you can like this is just like like they're not even below NFL replacement level. Like this is just like this is like. It's it's AAF expansion level, man. Like that's what this team is right now. <laughs> so, um, I mean, Waller is having, like, he's obviously awesome, and I think you could make a case for him as like a top five tight end in dynasty and redraft next year. But would his value be hurt if they draft someone with a high pick or sign a big name free agent or something? Nah, I. It's just the way they use him, right? Like he's more of like that quote unquote in line receiving tight end, which is really mm. just like, like just he's just like an X wide receiver in disguise. Like he's just right. their 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 primary alpha. Like he's like uh, yeah. Well, he started out as Niners. a wide receiver. Remember with the with the Ravens, he was a wide yeah. receiver that they converted to tight end. Yeah, they, they they the Ravens. He never caught on because he had like substance abuse issues. So it's like I'm happy to see that he might have conquered that. Definitely, definitely. Debo Samuel got one of three targets for 29 yards in the 49ers this week 15 loss to the Falcons. Yeah, this was um, another, you know, another rookie wide receiver that we've kind of had high hopes for. Kind of disappointing to see this performance. Uh, he was looking like probably the most consistent receiver the 49ers had up until this game. Uh, Samuel was someone that I wasn't completely sold on as a prospect, but I know you did the you did a really in-depth write-up on him for Rotoviz. So, I mean, what what am I missing? Is should we believe this game or his previous performance? Is he someone you're looking to take a big step forward in year two? I'd hope to see that he's going to take a big step forward year two. Um, tough scene for everyone who was on that Dante Pettis hype train. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the good things is like Debo, I believe, has remained relatively injury-free this season. Uh, can't can't be too. Sh- I don't think I can recall of him like missing a bunch of games. Uh, I do think that like Sanders coming on to the squad took a, took a little bit away from him. I mean, this is this in general was just a weird game for the Niners. 
Um, so I'm just pulling this up really quick. Sorry, of course, when I'm in a hurry, like uh, my internet goes slow. Yeah, so mm-hmm. so when you're when you're looking at how like the targets were distributed uh, among the receiving core here for the Niners, you had um, Debo at with three, Samuels had four, and Kittle had seventeen. Mm-hmm. Like you know, there's going to be very little left over. It's actually interesting to see, like they, they, like they're using Debo as like a Swiss Army knife, right? Like he got the one carry here and there and stuff. Um, I do think the Niners are going to draft a wide receiver. I mean, like if if if, if nothing else, like like bringing on Manny Sanders shows that they're just not happy with their wide receiver situation. They were initially in on the Odell Beckham sweepstakes and they couldn't draft him. I mean, well, they couldn't trade for him. Yeah. Which I guess in retrospect is probably better for them. Uh, like I'm sure like there's not much lost sleep now, um, <laughs> especially since like Manny has been pretty, I guess, serviceable, like, I guess for, for the, for their perspective, but like, it'll be interesting to see who they take in the draft next year because, um, as it currently stands, I do think it is the wide receiver one in this uh, in this uh, receiver core, and that does set up an interesting question, which is a good way to bring it home with Darren Waller. Like, where are you going to be drafting these guys next year? Yeah, we saw the tight ends go pretty early. I think in this um, this season. yeah, this year was crazy on the tight end right. ADP. That's right. We even mm-hmm. did a we even did a lead writer roundtable on it. That's right. Just saying that like this is the first time we've seen. ADP is this this elevated. We've never seen, um, at least since we've been tracking MFL tens, like we've just not seen three tight ends go in the first twenty four picks. Like that's just ridiculous. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Ahead I of think guys given, like Mike Evans and stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think given the way that the the big three tight ends have performed this season, kind of maybe not up to expectations, I'd expect them all to see their their um, ADPs drop a little bit, and then you have Right, Waller coming on. You have Mark Andrews. You have Ingram when he was healthy was really good. So I think there are a lot of guys making a case to be drafted higher. So it's probably a season where you don't have as clear a tier break between the top guys and like the the second tier guys. So I think you'll see them more clustered in that kind of third, fourth, fifth, sixth round range. And I mean, you know, getting Kittle in the third round or uh around there i think he could be a pretty good pick there so yeah i'm with you 100 percent. i would mm-hmm. absolutely love for kittle to like fall to the to the third round like 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 this year i i read like articles that were just like oh kittle should is like uh that were they weren't like kittle's adp is too high they were arguing that kittle's adp isn't high enough yeah. And that to me is like just just abject lunacy. Like, has has Kittle broken um, uh, two hundred PPR points yet? Uh, no. Although, what did he have today? Like thirty seven. Yeah, but let me just double oh, check no. here. I'm sorry, I'm confusing him with someone. He had twenty twenty six. So Hilly would be after this game. He'd be at about hundred and ninety. So he probably will break two hundred. But still, I mean, congrats. I mean, he's still yeah. behind. He's still behind, yeah. like Ertz Last year's pace and, for and sure. Mark Andrews and mm-hmm. Darren Waller. Like, who cares? Right. Like right. he's like like Austin Hooper has as many ga- like uh, like um uh uh. That's right. I forgot about Hooper. He's another guy who yeah as, as many fantasy points as George Kittle, and like he was going in the eighth. Like it's just like like who cares? Like again, like these guys are all like the only one who's close enough to Travis Kelsey is Zach Ertz. Yeah. 
and he's about 20 points behind. And again, this is the same thing happened last year for like for a George Kittle where he was 60 plus points behind Ertz. And and he was the, the difference was he was like an eighth round or ninth round pick by the end of the season last year. Yeah. This year he was going ahead of Ertz, like pretty much for right. the most off the offseason. Like, I I don't know, man, like you like we we talked about it in the in the re- in the lead writer roundtable. But like, that's just. How it's gonna go? I mean, like you, you can lock in 160 points to your tight end position, but like in, in, in most of my leagues where I went late round tight end, I've been, best ball especially. Like I've been fine because I typically will just take three tight ends at that point. So, mm-hmm. uh, so you know, like you can win with taking a zero at like the onesie. I'm not gonna encourage you to do that. Please don't. <laughs> but but you know, early in the off season, guys like Darren Waller were going completely undrafted, and and, and you know, just like just stuff like that was happening. So. There are always going to be situations with with tight ends where where you'll be able to figure out who might be able to get the targets later on. It's just I, for, for best ball purposes uh, only. I mean, like as far as Kittle's dynasty value goes, he absolutely should be a top three tight end. He should go ahead of like you. You should have him as the tight end one in dynasty. Yeah, I do. Okay. I, um, where's where are actually, Font and yeah, I mean it's definitely closer now. I think. That Ingram could, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's someone who I think you could make a case for tight end one in Dynasty. Um, I mean, after one season, I don't know if I don't know I don't if know he if, can though. He just he just hasn't finished either season healthy. Like, well, right, yeah, you need to see him be healthy first. But I mean, you know, I don't I don't know if Mark Andrews or Darren Waller have done enough to really get up into that tier. I think. Um, the thing that's keeping Ertz and Kittle or Ertz and Kelsey from being the number one tight end is just the age factor, which yeah, that, maybe doesn't yeah. affect tight ends as much as it does like other positions, but still, I think it's something worth taking account of. So yeah, Kittle still is my tight end one in Dynasty, and but it's definitely closer than it was going into this season. I, for what it's worth, I do think that like a guy like Mark Andrews in Dynasty startups will be undervalued relative to where he should be going. Interesting. Or 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 his trade value will be suppressed hmm. yeah. relative to what he's worth. I mean, like I would say he should be worth a lot more than what people are willing to give. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, like he's he's one that you and I kind of have talked a little bit on. Like he should be, I don't know. Like I would probably consider him to be. Wherever you thought OJ Howard's dynasty value was this time last year should be pretty right. much should be exactly where you should view Mark Andrews. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that that's that seems that sounds about right. All right. Before moving on to the final segment, I want to remind you to become a Rotoviz Patreon and gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Radio Slack, where you can ask questions and gain league winning advice from many of the podcast and writing team. Patronships start at just six dollars a month. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners. Sign up at patreon.com slash rotovizradio. Uh, you can also get a listener's only 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all our premium NFL content and tools, and it supports the pod. Plus, for a limited time only, we're offering a two-year RV Radio NFL sub, which includes a 10% discount and complimentary access to Rotoviz Radio Patreon and the Rotoviz Radio Slack channel for the 2019 season and the off season. That's right, get 10% off a two-year subscription and enjoy unlimited access to the Rotoviz Radio Slack channel uh, going into the off season and uh, 
yeah, we'll definitely be running through the season and the rest of 2019. So definitely want to get in on that. All you have to do is head to rotaviz.com slash podcast, sign up via the two-year RV radio subscription, and we'll email you Slack access details within 48 hours. Once again, that's rotoviz.com slash podcast. All right, news item number three. Kenyon Drake rushed 22 times for 137 yards and four touchdowns in the Cardinals' Week 15 win over the Browns, adding one reception for nine additional yards. So, uh, Hassan, do you think Drake has done enough to justify the Cardinals extending him this offseason? And what are your expectations for Drake and for the Cardinals' offense for the rest of this season and for their offseason values? Man, I genuinely don't know if Drake has actually done enough. (laughs) To, to justify being re-signed by the Arizona Cardinals, but it doesn't sound like the coaching staff believes that. Like, this has been, this was a tremendous game. But, I mean, same old Cleveland Browns, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, a bit of a tough scene for those who who, who bought uh, the Browns at the absolute top of market um, earlier this offseason. You know, all betting, um, if you did that, uh, you have my sincere condolences. And also, what were you doing? Come on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, first time head coach in Freddie Kitchens, he seems to be, I'd say he seems to be completely overmatched, but that's, like, very unfair to, uh, no, not not to Kitchens, but it's very unfair because, like, it assumes that, that you know, we thought that he was actually going to, be very capable of 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 you know pretty you know running this entire offense. I'm I'm really curious as to why Todd Monken hasn't been given any play calling duties, but I'd be interested to see how this offense does next year for as far, and defense does next year as far as the Cleveland Browns go. But as far as the Arizona Cardinals go, I, I really don't know if Drake has done enough. He was actually like losing work to David Johnson last week, and I think just because he was like the quote unquote hot hand, he's just they've just been rolling with him. Um, I mean, like when you when you look at this, like like David Johnson didn't do much at all. Like today, he just didn't see at all any work. And I wonder how much of this has to do with just his injuries and stuff. Um, but like also, you know, David Johnson had like a really um, funny uh, tweet here that I'm trying to that I'm trying to pull up. Um, and I know this is not. Yeah, here we go. Uh, and this is from and this is uh, this is from a while ago though, from mm-hmm. Jan 25th, Jan 2018. But it's cool if you. Sleeping on me. It's been like that my whole life. Ain't nothing new. Just don't want to see here from the same people when I'm back. That's such a wide receiver sounding tweet. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just such a such a wide receiver sounding yeah. tweet. Which again, Former wide which again, receiver there, right? Yeah, exactly. Like that's his best skill set, in my opinion. So like, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, like I mean, like Drake had you know he only had the one target today. Yeah. Like like, 22 carries, 137 yards, four touchdowns. The four touchdowns is absolutely not sustainable. And, uh, you know, with, with running backs, all you need to do, like, give, give them enough volume and then, like, they'll be sure to produce. I rem- I'm old enough to remember when when David Johnson used to put up these numbers and, like, no one would blink. Mm-hmm. And and it's just surprising to see the fall from grace as far as Johnson and, and Drake go. So, like, I'm hopeful the Cardinals don't spend a lot of, uh, you know, like, they can bring in uh, Drake. That's totally fine. I, I do think. Relatively speaking, Drake has always been and will always be overvalued. I mean, like, where was he going this offseason? Oh, in like the sixth round. Yeah, he was going. He was going pretty aggressively. Yeah, and they also traded nothing for him. And, and I'm sure, like, the Cardinals, like, even if they extend him, I'd, I'd probably be interested in DJ. But it, it's all kind of becomes ADP wise. What sure. would you sell DJ for in in Dynasty? That's interesting. Yeah, and and, I mean, and what would you where would you be drafting him in redraft? Yeah, that's a good question. We've 
had this discussion I think before and um, you know I've talked about how I kind of have been wanting to sell DJ for you know basically whatever I could get but I was thinking at the time that was maybe a late first or something but um, I don't it sounds like from feedback I've gotten from you and others that uh, that price is just not available anymore so I mean if I can't get more than I don't know a late second for DJ, then I don't think I would want to sell him. I think I'd want to hold and see if he can see if this is just an effect of him being hurt and not a hundred percent. It's, it's, it's over, man. <laughs> like, like I really, like, I really think that that's like where his price is going to be. And I, I can, I'm already anticipating like, like people like trying to, trying to buy him for the late second and giving me the, Oh, he's dust like justification. And I'm going to just, like, I'm gonna tilt off my like I'm just gonna tilt my face off like I like, I, I don't know what to say like I like I'm gonna to have to start tell like questioning whether or not like they understand what the hell they're talking about like you know w- whether or not they've like lost you know they've lost their marbles like I'm gonna to have to ask all these questions because um with a guy like DJ like I'm always gonna take a shot and a swing on him because of the upside is just oh so so tantalizing and as far as dynasty for me and DJ goes like I, I really genuinely don't care if the value of him of his goes to zero because as far as running backs go. There's, there's plenty of good ones on the wire. Um, I just don't know what to do with Drake. Like, do you think I can get a first for him this offseason in exchange? Like, particularly a mid first. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, after a game like this, if he puts up a few more touchdowns, I mean, I don't know. This, yeah, this was a weird kind of game. It feels almost like you remember that Jonas Gray game for the Patriots back in probably, probably a week fifteen where he came out of nowhere and rushed for four touchdowns and then disappeared again oh man there's a really good story on espn about about where jonas Gray went so for anyone who is uh, listening to this and is still is is okay with us being like as uh, dysfunctional as we are right now <laughs> please go and read that article it's very good um yeah good jonas gray article right uh kenyan drake i guess i don't know yeah. the difference is that like up to this coming into this game Drake had been like he had double digit carries in every week that he's since he's been with the Cardinals he's been averaging I think over five targets a game in that span so um like he's actually getting the workload and this is sort of the game that they have been expecting to get out of him maybe minus you know except for with more with more passing game work so I definitely think they're going to keep feeding him and um yeah I he's someone that I definitely want to kind of cash in right now take any take any returns you can get right now because I don't think I don't think he's going to be able to sustain it into next year. I mean, we'll have Chase Edmonds coming back next year who for most of the season was one of the most efficient runners in the game in the league, so um, I'm definitely interested in him going into next season, and Drake is someone I want to sell for whatever I can get. Julio Jones got 13 of 20 targets for 134 yards and two touchdowns on the Falcons this week 15 win over the Niners. Uh, you know, with Calvin Injury now on, uh, on injured reserve, uh, Matt Ryan was just locked into Julio for the entire game. What are your expectations uh, for Julio's dynasty value next offseason? Yeah, I mean, it's Julio Jones. His dynasty value is not going to take much of a hit, assuming he you know he continues to play this well or kind of like this 
uh, for the rest of the season with Ridley out. I mean, he's had a few rough weeks coming into this game, but I think um, his dynasty value is going to be resilient enough that you still see him going in the second round. Uh, Yeah, I think it's a, you know, considering how Ridley was starting to heat up over the last few weeks and Julio was kind of um, not not being the Julio we had come to know, I think that it really is an open question as to whether Ridley should be going ahead of Julio in Dynasty. Um, yeah. Yes. Don't, uh, yeah. He should. <laughs> he should. Yeah, he should, right? But uh, he's not going to be, I don't think. Do you? It is not valuable where he is. Uh, he absolutely. I mean, I I don't think Ridley is going to be going ahead of Julio next year in Dynasty. Yeah, I, that's just me saying that Ridley should be drafted earlier. Right. Like we we had like a joke of an offer. No. Oh, yeah. he won't be. He yeah. should be, but he won't be. Right. We had like an absolute joke of an offer for like Ridley that came through our inbox. Remember on the on the team that we own. Mm-hmm. It was like some trash. I can't even remember what it was. Just like a bunch of like randos. Like it was like third, like a twenty twenty third, fourth and fifth, and like some wash player for like ridley like back yeah. back in like week six like yeah, i can't I remember. remember but yeah no i i think i think people are like fairly stuck on their priors as it comes to calvin ridley um and that's to their detriment uh i think that they can't get over like his prospect profile age all those other things right like and they've been very slow to adjust on that one and so you'll always see him go late and it's the same story with mike williams by the way mm-hmm Right, like these are guys who who have for some reason, um, for for some reason, everything they've done in the NFL, like until now, hasn't like forced people to to reconsider on their priors, like of of, of where they where they were and to where they should be now. Uh, I'm actually gonna look up uh, our dynasty rankings here, uh, just just to well, actually. Now, the dynasty rankings are a bad idea. Like, I'm actually going to pull up like the dynasty ADP app, um, if only because that that's probably a more accurate assessment here. And we can use the FFPC because they're only using the uh, yeah, the most I mean, recent. Um, do, but they don't have startups running. No, they this. were no, but they had they had startups running like uh, you know pretty much. So yeah, so just all off season until now. So we have that going for us. So we can so we can look at it like right they're now. Just so not going to take into account. The most recent, I mean, this season, right? Right. Yeah. No. So they won't. So they won't have it this season. Yeah. But um, so here's so here's an interesting one. So um, Adam Thielen. Where do you think he goes? So like Adam Thielen uh, in FFBC was drafted as the wide receiver twelve. Yeah. And uh, DJ Moore was the wide receiver seventeen. Um, and Calvin Ridley was the wide receiver twenty one. So probably, so, I mean, I think more probably. I don't know. Could more be in the top 10 wide receivers? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. So here are the top 10. So it's like Nuke, OBJ, Devante, Michael Thomas, Juju, Evans, Julio, Amari, Keenan, Diggs, AB. That's not going to happen again. Ethelian, that's pretty much over. Brandon Cooks is wide receiver 13. Kenny Galladay is wide receiver 14. T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver 15. Tyreek Hill, wide receiver 16. Then DJ Moore, 17. Yeah. Godwin was 18. So yeah. I do think the guys we're looking at here, so after you remove the guys, I think guys who could be moving way down are like Adam Thielen, Brandon Cooks, D.Y. Hilton, possibly Robert Woods, I'm not too sure, and Calvin Ridley, Cooper Cup, Mike Williams, who all shoot up. Corey Davis went as wide receiver 25, which, ha, 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 what a terrible <laughs> pick. Um, 
A-Rob at wide receiver 28, I could see him going higher. I do think the guy who's going to take the biggest leap will be a wide, uh, like Tyler Lockett as wide receiver 30. So we, for what it's worth, the FFBC seems to be, and again, given the high stakes format, fairly sharp. Uh, you know, the guys are going pretty low. And here's here's it, here's it one that I got for you. Wide receiver 31, Christian Kirk, or wide receiver 33, Cortland Sutton? Uh, well, I think I'd have Sutton ranked ahead of Kirk. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I, 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 do I don't. Think in, that's a little low. For do I? In my current rankings, yes, I do. So Sutton ahead of Kirk. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I think Sutton definitely is a top, uh, I mean, top 15 wide receiver. Yeah, dynasty, maybe even right? top 12. Yeah. Maybe even top 12. Like, I would I would want to think about him as a top 12 potential. Um. Yeah. Where would you have Sutton in relation to Ridley, though, and in relation to Julio? That's a good question. That's actually a very good question. And that one, I don't think I know how to answer. Yeah. Because I think that one comes down to like team construction, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I might just once. So I, I don't know if I'm going to be, I don't know if I can like, I should probably just take Sutton ahead of Julio and then take Ridley after someone else takes Julio. Because Julio is one of those assets whose value is only going to decline from here on out. For sure. But it's not like he's just a guy. Quickly, probably. No, it's not. And and again, I mean, like like Julio is just such a mensch, man. Like 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 the guy is just. And did you, did you see the game? Like like he caught like a last second touchdown to upset the, the Niners. Like he's just. Yeah. Like the guy who I do think is overvalued in all this is Keenan Allen at wide receiver nine. Yeah. Does he like have a larger role if Melvin Gordon is gone though? Yeah, I I would assume that he kind of does. But then also you got Mike Williams and Hunter Henry, right? Right. Galladay also seems to be undervalued. I mean, like at wide receiver fourteen feels kind of right. Um, but so I think I, I think Tyreek Hill should be like you know going up the ranks as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I I do think the guy who needs to rise the most probably would be Sutton, and then I mean AJ Brown at wide receiver forty, but we've already covered that one. Um, so here's a couple of guys hanging around at the bottom end, and the only reason we're having all this dynasty talk is because we're heading to the offseason. I'm pretty excited to start talking about this stuff. Sure. I, I got to get myself. Uh, I I was just thinking to myself, like I'm not exactly having a great season, but mm-hmm. um, I, I do have to get into more dynasty basketball leagues, uh, if only because um, I really like the basketball format and dynasty is just so much fun. Yeah. But Nicole Hardman, wide receiver 50, like, and Michael Gallup, wide receiver 53, like these guys are going to be rising, like right? I think so. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Hardman hasn't even done that much as a rookie, but I think. Um, he's done enough, I think. Like yeah, he's been pretty right. efficient. Exactly, exactly. He's done enough. He's still, uh, you know, a guy who you could see take a huge step forward in year two. And if you expect kind of a bounce back year from Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense, then Hardman becomes really intriguing. Well, the interesting thing here about like uh, now we're really off the topic, but <laughs> it, it 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 comes down to Sammy Watkins and whether or not they bring him back, right? Yeah. I guess so. I, I I don't think they're gonna like eat that contract at all. They're probably gonna restructure if they're bringing him back, and they're I gonna mean, probably move a lot of the guaranteed out. Yeah. I, I don't know why Sammy would agree to that, but are oh, he's <laughs> just not coming back? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think probably Hardman is good enough to overtake Sammy, even if he's still there. I think he's yeah. shown enough in his rookie season, and Sammy, you know, we kind of know what he is. Hardman, Hardman is, you know. He's good at catching those long touchdowns that Mahomes is so good at throwing. So, should see a lot more of those. 
Yeah, maybe Demarcus Robinson's gone. Don't know. Don't know. Do you have any last thoughts about like uh, the season wrap up before we're done here? Biggest surprises, like you know, stuff that you're looking forward to for like next year. Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about this a bit, but it was uh, kind of a weird year for zero running back teams. Um, it'll be really interesting to start to analyze that. I think what we saw was a lot of late round wide receivers do well and not that many late round running backs do well until really late. Like a lot of my teams, a lot of my best ball teams have not been good the whole season. And just in the last few weeks are starting to rise up the ranks as these running backs uh, start to have bigger games like Miles Sanders, for instance, having a big game today. So it'll be interesting to kind of, yeah, monitor the win rates and uh, analyze those going forward. I think we saw basically these running backs kind of hit a little bit later than we're used to seeing. So, yeah, I mean, Sean's been doing that work and showed that wide receivers drafted in the middle round still outperformed running backs in in that in the dead zone, you know. So even though it seems like guys like Derrick Henry and and uh, Dalvin Cook and Aaron Jones and those guys in sort of rounds the round two through five range, you know those guys have been having really good seasons, but still drafting a wide receiver in that range uh, has been a better strategy even this season. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to, uh, to catch up on all that after the season's over. And um, I think it, I think it will be favorable for zero running back for next season. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic about like zero RB, but I think some of it comes down to like analyzing a player situation as well, a little bit to like figure out, whether or not we should be wholesale fading just like all RBs in the in, in like the quote unquote dead zone or like who we sure, should be taking sure. our shots on. You know, you know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Like um like a like a guy who who we were pretty optimistic on who fell in the dead zone was Aaron Jones. Sure. Right. And you were taking a shot on his profile and uh versus Jamal Williams' profile, right? Yeah. And sure. so and, especially uh, Carry on Johnson was like that too. There's there yeah, definitely exceptions. Carry on went overdrafted really quickly though, so he was one who uh, I don't know if you can uh, you know flock back to that, but like a guy. I mean, yeah, who, it's hard to hard to can't really judge that after after the injuries he's had. Although, yeah, but, uh, supposedly coming back next week. Hey, that's exciting. I mean, a guy who really has come on hot like down the stretch, just like last year, and it's just it boggles the mind. Is Joe Mixon? <laughs> like, like, like the guy has been absolutely smashing. Man, like it's just the entire like back half of the season like he like he just like he do you see what he did to the patriots today yeah like he's gonna probably like i i don't know where he's gonna go next off season like and i'm kind of hoping he'd be depressed like maybe not at a one two turn i'm really hoping for that late second turn like where dalvin was going early this year because um i'd be in very very in on that like you could you could uh like that would be a nice, you know, he's one of the guys who could potentially fall into the into the quote unquote dead zone, but like would be like a good pick because Sean was also fairly bullish on 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 Mixon's prospects, right? So, yeah, I, I'm being personally, I'm excited to get into like you know just how many young players are coming into the league. I, I'm fairly optimistic. I'm looking forward to getting into some work because there's a, you know a few theses that I want to flesh out and see if we can get anything going on the on that end. See if we can learn more about this like crazy game that we've come to love and. Hopefully we don't mix on uh, miss on a guy like uh, Terry McLaurin next year from from a from a rookie draft perspective. You know what I mean? Yeah, 
right? I mean, there's always going to be those guys. McLaurin still does not have a good prospect profile. There's no reason for anyone to think he was going to be good. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but but this, but the, he, like, there was, like, a really strong profile that I read of him on SB Nation, and it was, like, uh, I, I, like, this is some of the, some of this is the kind of work that I got to start, like, thinking about, like, if I want to start incorporating into our work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's definitely some blind spots, um, but, you know, you still, I think, have to sort of take an evidence-based approach and um, you want to you want to prioritize the metrics that we've shown to be predictive. So, uh, yeah, you're always going to miss on these on a few of these guys like, like McLaurin. So, I don't know, you refine your process after... After seeing how uh, how these things turn out, and then uh, go from there. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio Podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.